Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chats. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do at least monthly in two different forms. First of all, there is a visual format to hear of this on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. And there's also a audio-only version if you want to take this around and listen to it wherever the hell you want to, like and actual podcast simply look up mod chat all one word on your favorite podcasting app or platform and it should hopefully be there i know mod chat is not on all platforms but it's available on most of them at least anyways we've got a pretty good amount of stuff for this month here and i'd say it's pretty varied i do also want to apologize for how late this is coming out this is still coming out at the end of october and this is still coming out in october uh but pretty close to the end now this is coming out right before spooky day so hopefully you can have a enjoyable episode of mod chat here that hopefully won't be all too spooky and then if you're going to be celebrating halloween the day after then go ahead stay safe have fun get some good candy all that good stuff and if you wait a day after that you might even get a bunch of candy on sale so that's a good way if you can't get free candy you might as well get some discounted candy but aside from that let's go ahead and jump into this month's topics here and let's start it off right with playstation vita because well Vita means life. Now, I gotta say, I always love covering these ports here, even if it's just real quick, but we're going to be covering the Final Fantasy V unofficial port to the PlayStation Vita. This is from the same developers, Frangar and Renegatamante, who worked on porting over the Android versions of Final Fantasy III and Final Fantasy IV to the Vita themselves, and this is, again, using the arm loader that the flow had developed. Now, it's also giving additional credit to Darth Bellic for providing the live area asset. It's stating here, this is a wrapper port of Final Fantasy V Android for the PS Vita. The port works by loading the official ARM V7 executable in memory, resolving its imports with native functions and patching it in order to properly run. And just like the other ports, the instructions here are really going to be about the same. Of course, you're going to need the purchased version of Final Fantasy V because you are going to have to extract the files from the APK. You're also going to need the Kubridge and FD Fix plugins installed on the Vita that you have already modified, although you don't need FD Fix if you're already using Repatch. So just a heads up right there, if you have a Repatch set up, just skip the FD Fix portion. You're going to need the LibShack SUPRX extracted and set up on your Vita. If you have any of these other wonderful ports, including like, for example, the San Andreas ports, then you're already going to have this already extracted and set up. And then at this point, it's really just going through the process of getting this built, getting it extracted over to the Vita, and installing the VPK file itself. So here we go, another really awesome game that has been ported over to the Vita that is now running natively, Final Fantasy V. Doesn't get much better than that. Now we're going to be covering some awesome PlayStation 4 news here, but I am going to say with both this and the PS5 news coming up, there are going to be firmware versions that will be mentioned. If you are interested in anything and you want to stay patient, stay offline, do not update your system, and in regards to anything such as a kernel exploit or even a homebrew enabler or a jailbreak, really both speaking about the same thing here, there's no news of that yet. There's no ETA win there. This is just going to be covering a WebKit exploit, which could hopefully lead to something, but it's not guaranteed to lead to a full jailbreak or even a kernel exploit because we still need that to be paired with this. 
However, at the same time, if you are on a lower firmware, do not be in a rush to update to these specific firmwares. Really just stay where you're at is what I'm saying here. But with that all being said, Slayer's Govi strikes yet again, releasing an operational WebKit exploit for firmware 9.00 on the PlayStation 4. Now again, this is a WebKit exploit. This does not have a kernel exploit. There is no public kernel exploit yet, meaning that there's also no jailbreak, there's no hen, there's none of that available. This is what we need to get started, and if you can pair this with a kernel exploit, there would be a jailbreak that would come out, but we're still far from that. However, this is still progress, and that's why I said, do not update specifically to this firmware if you're on a lower firmware, and if you are wanting to stay on this firmware, stay offline, hope for the best, but there's no guarantee of anything here. But getting into this, as stated on the wololo.net article, developer Slayers Gove has refined his port of the WebKit font face exploit and made it fully operational, arbitrary read-write, for PS4 firmware 9.00. Before you keep on reading and jump excitedly, please take time to read the disclaimer below. It even states here, do not update your PS4 just yet. Although this is an awesome technical breakthrough, this is a low reliability, user mode only exploit that for now is not useful to you as the end user. As always, just stay put on as low a firmware as you possibly can. Now it is noted here that only firmware 9.00 is impacted and this cannot be ported to other firmwares like firmware 8.xx or even 7.xx. And it is stated here from developer Celeste Blue, might have been introduced in firmware 3.50 according to date, need to check. However, the vulnerability cannot be exploited in some conditions depending on how WebKit was compiled. For example, on PS4 firmwares 7.55 to 8.53, the font face set constructor returns with an exception that is propagated to JavaScript, preventing exploitation this way. It's also stated that this has low reliability in its current state. It states here, although this could get refined in time, in my personal tests, I have failed to run the exploit to completion after more than 50 attempts. I'm also seeing reports from people on Twitter who are clearly not getting the expected result, even though they might be believing they are getting the exploit to work due to the sheer amount of alert boxes that are being displayed in the process. I've only seen one confirmed report of success so far in all the screenshots I've seen shared by scene members. And of course, I am going to reiterate this here, and I'm actually going to quote this directly on this. This, of course, the most important aspect here, a WebKit exploit alone is not enough for end users. Although in theory, such a user mode exploit could allow for a few nice things, including some not too demanding homebrew, in practice, what the scene typically expects is a full jailbreak. In order to get a PS4 jailbreak, this WebKit exploit would need to be coupled with a privilege escalation kernel exploit, which we do not have at the moment. Although CTERT has hinted that something might come on that front. We currently do not know if his exploit will ever be disclosed, and it's possible it's been patched with 9.00. And there are instructions showing how to test and confirm the font face exploit on your own PS4. So you'd really need to get the exploit itself from Slayer's Govia's GitHub, and you could locally host it yourself, or you could find one which is available online already. You click on the HTML button and wait, and you should see a series of JavaScript errors, click OK for each one, and they are these in order here, just showing on this. There's a whole lot of stuff here that I'm not going to be naming off, but if you're watching the visual of this, you'll be able to see it. However, it looks like here on Twitter, Yakuza Mink is trying this out, so we're just going to look at this video real quick. 
they are going through all the prompts here. Just waiting. Let's see. Here we go. And this is it, actually. Well, there's not enough free memory and then click me. But the point is, if you see something like this right here, all these numbers, all these characters with the commas in between, that is the exploit working. So even as an added bonus, check this out. This actually is confirmed to even work on the PlayStation 5. Uh, the same exploit and everything on this and it's stated here, multiple people have confirmed that Slayer's Govey's implementation of the WebKit font face exploit works on PS5, although up to which firmware still needs to be entirely confirmed. The latest firmware 21.02-04.03 seems to be vulnerable, see below. WebKit exploit itself is not terribly useful for end users, but this is to my knowledge the first ever confirmed PS5 exploit, so this is big news. And this is the first, at least, public one here. That we're seeing now there's another video here we're going to check out on twitter from user a koski a let's go ahead and click this let's see how long this is 41 seconds all right so just going through this here let's see i'm trying to make sure we get all that there all right going through this i actually personally haven't even seen this video so we're going to see how this goes about the js value all right keeps going we got the array 256 there's a lot of pop-ups with this here. Butterfly, okay. Arrays 257.length, gotta keep going. Add of null, address of null, excuse me. Got fake object, there we go, this is it. So if you get this right here, yet again, all these numbers, all these characters, just with a bunch of commas in between them, separating them out, this means that your exploit is successfully working. And this is very good to see. I'm seeing if there's anything to the end here, but nope, that's about it with that. So that's really cool. Yet again, we have the exact same exploit implementation here working on firmware 9.00 on the PlayStation 4, as well as the current latest firmware on the PS5, which this was tested on 21.01-03.21.00. I don't like this. <laughs> This is this is seriously this is seriously how the uh, the firmware numbers are implemented on the retail versions of the PS5. This isn't dev stuff right here. This is the retail firmware like number right here. Now, even though that wasn't fully demonstrated on the latest right there, Zeko Shao is actually saying here seems that Slayer's WebKit exploit works on the latest PS5 version without any modification. But don't update, dudes. It still needs a kernel bug, which is true. And it's also worth mentioning here: what does a PS5 WebKit exploit mean for the scene? Even just a WebKit exploit could open the door to some nice investigation of the PS5's internals. It would be fairly limited, but could let us access some sections of the PS5's RAM, and from there possibly fetch a few of the console's libraries. For reverse engineering, it's unlikely a kernel exploit would be found from there, but one can dream. And the instructions are the exact same as before, where you can get the exploit from the Slayer's Govi GitHub page, or find it yourself. If you're not going to host it yourself, you can just find a... Uh, hosted version of it here. You click on the HTML button once you access this, and you have to go through all these steps here to get the series of comma-separated numbers, and that means that this has worked. So there we go. We have one exploit that ends up hitting two systems, including one system that is still brand new that is on the latest firmware. It's actually that... Uh, let me see if I can show that system right there, the PS5. This thing is huge, by the way. Pause. But it's huge. Look at it! It's so big, I really want a PS5 Super Slim at this point. But, but, either way, either way, 
we still have something pretty cool here. Now again, just restating it, is this going to guarantee lead to anything? No. Is this going to guarantee a jailbreak for even the PS4? No. But we can stay optimistic, and this is at least exciting stuff for both PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 modding scenes. Now, this is something for the Switch that I thought was very cool when I had seen it here, and this is from GBA Temp, and it states here that there's Saturn emulation using Cotton or Guardian Force on the Switch. Now, this is kind of going through this here, but this collection has problems, but I managed to get it to run any Saturn game you'd like and a few other notes. Game is using an emulator I cannot place. I don't see references in the main in IDA, though it might be in the Unity resource files. All the games here have unique any files, but are encrypted, and I'm not entirely sure to what extent they can change the emulation per game. Quick instructions for injection. Create a directory for the title of your game in atmosphere slash contents. Replace bin and Q files. Rename your Q file based on the game. See below for reference. Do not rename the bin files. For other tweaks, see important posts and play. So for anybody who does not know, this is from user Lizreal2401, and it looks like, again, these are for some Sega Saturn games that were released on the Switch for, uh, what are the two, Cotton and Guardian Force. Now, the cool thing is with these is that they're not ported, they're actually emulated, and it's just a BinQ version of the games itself running on an emulator on the switch and you can even see right here it looks like there's cotton2.q cotton2 switch any and then it looks like this is using the house of the dead japanese demo so you have the bins right there and they just ended up renaming the q file from you know house of the dead the japan demo dot you know q to cotton2.q so therefore using layered fs which means you're launching the game on the Switch, and then as long as you have coexisting files that are matching that you can pretty much swap in on the fly, you're able to launch this here. So it's able to bring in its own game, and this is this is so cool to see. Now it's stating here, obviously, no longer actively working on this project. The community ran with this in a manner I didn't expect, and I love you all for going so far with this and the love for the Saturn or of the Saturn. We'll continue adding thread marks and watching the space back to more hacky stuff. So there's two important posts right here. The first one is an injection script. State This from Shadow256 stating, I've implemented a function in my ultimate switch hack script to inject a game with changing of the title ID, etc. For now, a custom config.ini couldn't be injected without replacing the tools Saturn MU inject tools config any file of the script. I'll try to make an update soon to at least allow the user to select their own INI file or any. Sorry, but for now, I will not make a standalone version. Maybe one day, but not for now. If you want to test this, go to the other functions menu from the main menu and you will see the Sega Saturn inject function. So there's now a script that you can do this pretty easily, although it looked even pretty easy to do this before. There's also another post here, which is highlighted for better write up new info. And it has a compatibility spreadsheet right here that you can check. And it even states here, including links to required recommended configs. If nothing is listed, use Guardian Force's default config. CPU megahertz column is the overclock you'll need in handheld mode. If nothing is listed, then no overclocking is required. And then just information on contributing or if games are missing or, you know, this still being a work in 
progress. Now it looks like even here that you can use the 4 megabyte RAM expansion and even stretch widescreen, uh, just making a minor change to the configuration file. And this is working for, it's stating two, that was, you know, Cotton and Guardian Force, but there's been three Switch games uh, well, Switch games that have, you know, Saturn emulation on them. It's Guardian Force, Cotton Boomerang, and Cotton 2. Uh, now, there's even an options menu on this as well that you can enable or disable. And then let's just take, like, a quick look at the compatibility here. And it's, like, people seem to be raving about this emulator because it's actually a pretty good emulator. So let's pick, like, Bug and Bug 2, for example, are perfect. Clockwork Knight is perfect, but Clockwork Knight 2 is unplayable. Although that's the USA version, the PAL version seems to work. That's kind of odd, huh? All right. Uh, Kiro Flying or Kyo Flying Squadron 2, the European version seems to work. Loaded, one of my favorites, seems to work perfectly. Nights into Dreams is almost perfect, although there are, although there is a very minor frame drop. But the only reason I notice this is due to the audio. Otherwise, you can't even tell. Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon Zui are perfect, but the Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, it says almost perfect. Minor audio cracks at random times. I was able to play on foot and riding on the dragon with no issue or without issue. Uh, Radiant Silver Gun, that is perfect. Uh, Sonic 3D Blast is perfect. Sonic Jam is unplayable. Sonic R is almost perfect with some minor audio cracks. So I'm kind of just highlighting these because these are a lot of standout games that people are probably going to ask for. And there's even more on here and even more that can require testing and such. But this is really cool to see. I actually need to, I need to pick this up and mess with this. But this is just awesome because Sega Saturn emulation is already... Kind of a different beast unto itself, but having an emulator on the Switch, albeit even an official emulator like this that's working well, is so cool. Now we're not done talking about the Switch just yet. We're actually going to be talking about the latest Switch iteration. The one back there that you can see the box for if you're checking out the visual of this. This is the Switch OLED model that I ended up purchasing earlier this month and I unboxed here on the channel. Gave some very initial first impressions on it and I actually have it right here. Now I'm not going to be giving out the first impressions, like further impressions on here, but I, I will just say in short, I've still very much liked this. Uh, it does feel like, you know, a premium Switch to me and this is my my daily driver switch at this point because um, I just you know I use a stock one for my daily driver uh, so I went from a launch model all the way to the switch OLED model and I've been very happy with it I've had no issues thankfully and the screen does really help out now one thing many people are wondering is is this thing going to be hackable which I was thinking right off the bat no but it seems to still use the same chip which is the Mariko chip uh, which is exploitable. We have seen it with the SX Core, the SX Lite, and the HW Fly chips uh, that work on the, uh, you know, the regular Switch, like the full Switch, as well as the Switch Lite, depending on which model you get. Uh, so they are exploitable, but since this is a new, you know, revision and even just a new motherboard revision, because I believe the codename for this is AULA, uh, A-U-L-A, since this is a new revision here, even though the chip could still be exploitable, it might not mean that the system is exploitable itself. Well, let's just look at what happened. Switch OLED confirmed to be hackable on day one. <laughs> Day one, but tread carefully. Now it's stating here multiple hackers have confirmed that the new Switch OLED can be hacked using the same mod chips that can be used on patched 
and or version 2 Switch models. Chinese YouTuber Yokan Papa has showcased the Switch OLED running Hikate perfectly, video below, using what seems to be the Team Executor mod chip. It's not entirely surprising that Hikate runs on the OLED Switch, as support for the latest Switch console has been added in Hikate 5.6.0 about six weeks ago. In parallel, all consoles seen hacker Balika011 and friend of the show on here has published a series of tweets showing that he's got a hacked OLED switch as well. And even another friend of the show here seen member Colin Dram has also confirmed some of the original findings from folks such as Cyrus M, namely that the D2P HDMI chip on the Switch OLED dock is a RTD2172N KBH QH1. However, this is from Cyrus M, and I'm just going to read this directly here from the article itself, but this is the cited tweet here. Just a heads up, if you somehow find yourself in the circumstance of being able to do so, you should not run Atmosphere on OLED model switches right now. Battery configuration is not implemented, and so Atmosphere will misconfigure battery on boot. That's good to know. Uh, but I do want to highlight uh, what Balika was showing here. So there's actually three, maybe four tweets I want to cite from Balika here. This was the first one that was very exciting. This is just a video here. He's turning on his Switch OLED model, and check it out. Hikate is running right there. Uh, now, this is the replacement bootloader, the open source bootloader that are able to, you know, sideload in here. Uh, and I am seeing here what it's talking about with the battery. So, like, for example, the time is 000, but you can even see the temperature is not showing up. There's nothing showing up for the battery itself. And obviously, this is running off a battery because it's not plugged into anything. But you're just seeing that none of this is configured or showing up on here. He's also confirming on this tweet here that this does respond to uh, touchscreen in Input because he was able to access this page here, which you need to actually touch the screen on. That was the initial thing that the SX Core chip could be soldered in here and you could use Hikate to launch this. However, none of the touchscreen functionality worked. But obviously, to get to this point, he had to do it. And this is no doubt, you know, some work that he has done, like software work as well, too. Because you could even see in this screenshot here that if you look at the bottom, the time is showing up, the temperature is showing up, the battery, like, you know, the, I guess, how much juice is being used right there. Um, and then as well as how much percentage is left on the battery. That's all showing up now at this point. And this is showing as the SKU for 03 Ala Mariko Retail. Like, everything is showing up as it needs to, so this is working here. The next thing here was very exciting, in which he is running on the system firmware 12.0.2 with Atmosphere 1.0.0 running on this. So he even took this one step further, like this does not have a public release because at the time of recording this, Atmosphere publicly does not have support for Ala. However, like, Balika was able to get it working. Like, this dude is a, he's not a human. He is a robot. He is a machine at this point. This was so quick. <laughs> but yes, as you can see, Atmosphere custom firmware is running on here. And the very last thing I, as well as he, would probably like to share is he stated here, I got so, so many DMs begging for pictures, details, or even straight up asking me to install it for them that it's not even funny. Here you go. That's all the picture and details I'll share. Now, please stop. If you want to know more, ask Nintendo. And you can see this is his install photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. So th- this is about what we're going to get from him. I I love Balika. He's great. But this is this is super awesome to see. Although we did get something public from him as well too. Uh, I did cover Spacecraft NX before, which is a open source firmware and bootloader that you can flash over to SX Core and SX Lite chips. Uh, now it does have its first update, the 0.2.0 update, which is the Spacecraft NX second release. Add support for Ala's OLED screen. If you are not using an Ala, there is no reason to update. So if you are somehow ever able to install a SX Core into your Switch, then you can use the second version of Spacecraft NX and at least boot Hikate and get access, you know, for the OLED screen and all that stuff. Again, right now, at the moment, uh, Atmosphere doesn't have official support for this. Um, yeah, that's that's about all you can do. <laughs> but this is super cool to see. Now, for these last two topics, I did want to cover some stuff that is not only new, but also just stuff that is kind of near and dear to me. The first one being the Xbox 360, which if you've been following this channel for a while, you might know that I absolutely love the Xbox 360 and the modding scene behind it. And that's really what pushed this channel forward in its infancy when I was, you know, really getting a grasp on, you know, uploading more often and finding, you know, kind of my niche on here and such. So with that, I was very happy to see something pretty cool for the Xbox 360. This one here not even being anything related to, you know, new RGH development and such, which have still been happening, but this is actually a piece of homebrew from Guns for Hire. This is Paddle Mayhem, and it's saying here Paddle Mayhem is Pong with graphic updates and dancing light. Made with Unity for 360, achievements to collect, two-player offline mode, as well as great music. It is available on digix.net in the content package and loose files format so that's just like you know an xcx file that you can just run right there and this looks pretty cool like this is a you know newly released homebrew game for the xbox 360 in 2021 uh i can't think of many games that even have you know achievements on here like many you know pieces of homebrew i mean i know of snes 360 it has it, and that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. So that's really cool. And even we have this screenshot right here, and this looks awesome. Is it Pong? Yes. Does it look cool? Yes. Does it totally remind me of something that we would have seen a while ago on Xbox Live Arcade? Absolutely. And that's why this is cool to me as well, too. I mean, if, if there's going to be something like this on the 360, some actual, like, homebrew development, this makes me happy. Next up is something awesome for the PSP from Freakler, which has been teased for quite a while now. And this is Cheat Device Remastered, something that I actually wanted to use, and I failed to use it. Like, I could not get this to work back in the day. So I really need to try this out here. But let's just kind of go through this site here. The original cheat device by Edison Carter, I remember that, was one of the first homebrews ever to run on firmwares 2.01, 2.5, and 2.6. It had a big fan base and lots of functionality added over time. Sadly, the Liberty City version wasn't updated and thus missing out on fixes after Vice City Stories release, etc. After over 15 years, with this remastered version, I recreated the whole project from the ground up whenever I had some free time. It is one plugin for both Stories games and compatible with all versions, excluding the Japanese releases. That's really cool. And it's awesome that this is like, this works on both of them. Like, this is cool. When booting up the game, it will take a little longer to start as that's where all the magic happens. Once in game, just like with the original, the menu can be opened and closed using L plus up. And when saving your cheat preferences from the menu, a config file will be created, which automatically reloads everything the next time you start up the game. 
but really there is so much more, why don't you take a look for yourself? Happy cheating. And some changes and new features here, aside from my own discoveries, recreating everything, lots of functions that were previously only available via user cheats were added as default ones. Due to all these new options, categories were added, as well as the menu just to scroll instead of using pages. These are the major and most noteworthy functions. So improvements to the original now works with all versions except Japanese, now works with high memory layout and other plugins, navigating the menu will not affect game controls, that's important, that's nice. Uh, now utilizing the game fonts and blocking UI elements, getting names and text directly from memory, expanded and enhanced hex editor, no more menu flickering, lots of improvements and fixes. New features, you can skip intro movies, character model swapping, completely disabled traffic and pedestrians, free camera. Map and minimap options, speedometer, makes German version uncut again, pickup and vehicle spawner, real random load screens, advanced editors for stats, settings, etc., lots of customization via configuration, and it's even safe here, but why? As a child, I loved playing with the cheat device and seeing this menu loaded via a simple save file was like dark magic to me, so I swore to myself to understand and learn how to achieve this myself someday. Over the last years, I worked on this whole project whenever I had some free time on and off. I am surely no expert in C or reverse engineering, but this project helped and I learned a lot. I never intended to release this initially, but why keep it for myself? I bet one or two nostalgic old-timers old might have some fun with this just like me. And let's actually take a look at this gallery here. So we're just gonna... This is cool. Alright, we're gonna look at this together, right? So we have this... Okay, it looks like that's more of a free cam on there. Oh my god, okay, that's cool. You can end up just like flooding all the map, and then you can take a boat and go across everything. Uh, got some nice mayhem. Whoa, that's cool. That's pretty cool to see. All right. Like, I'm liking these so far. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, a free camera. There we go. So this would be great for screenshots, like native screenshots on this. This is awesome. You have your garage editor here. All right. Straight up hex editor. This is like black magic to me at this point. Like this, I, I was never the best with hex editing. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, looks like okay, more vehicle handling on there. Um, some spawns that you can get. Now I guess you can clear up all the UI elements and stuff there. That's cool. So these are like good for screenshots and such. This is cool. All right, and I do see the speedometer right there. Just more stuff that you can drive. Uh, some custom colors and all. That's awesome. Oh, I love being able to fly these or just like spawn this. That'd be great. Uh, a save data editor. All right, that's cool. All hidden packages, all rampages passed, all stunt jumps done, unlock all outfits at a spawn point, just things like that. Wait, you can you can have the Phil Collins concert and you can just spawn a car in there and you can spawn your character there? Really? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, him in the backseat, uh, like flying an actual plane. That's cool. All right, so it looks like you can, you know, change your, like, character clothes, models, all that. That's creepy and awesome all at the same time. All right, uh, there we go. And these are, like, some of the loading screens here. Just, like, load the game, start script. Uh, just, you know, changing out your character model and such. So you have, like, Prisoner Salvatore right there. Vigilante missions can be toggled. So that's just, like, I guess, spawning that right there garage editor and that's about it we've gone through all of the uh what is it uh all the screenshots right here this is so cool now it looks like uh for some priority stuff that needs to be done here there's just a lot of stuff that is going to be added in later on so for example like ppssp support 
uh, further fill in the editors, uh, multiplayer cheats, power jump, adjusting your walking speed, bring back snow mod. Ooh, that would be cool. I would want that. That would be awesome. User cheat texts. Uh, well, this is like Mio, uh, like maybe right here. Uh, save game load control, real custom music support. Yes, I would like that as well too. This would all be pretty awesome. There are a few bugs such as like resetting water level in Vice City Stories keeps areas flooded. Uh, saving config in Liberty City Stories with value might load wrong value in Vice City Stories, vice versa. Uh, after sleep, Liberty City Stories menu text might not return to full screen. Just a few things like that. And stating here that the best experience says, although this plugin is designed to work with all game versions, models, and settings, the following setup will grant you the best experience possible using a Vita OLED model, so a 1000 model Vita uh, with Adrenaline e-custom firmware, the GTA Remastered PRX, the GTA Native Res PRX, high memory layout, 333 MHz game clock, as well as a 60 frames per second cheat. As well as a 60 frames per second cheat. So a big shout out to Freakler94 or Freakler or Lord Freakler for working on this and releasing this. This is certainly awesome to see and uh, something I have been following. Like we follow each other here on Twitter and I've definitely been following the progress on this and it's very exciting to see it in the wild now. Now for the very last topic, I like to normally find something that is cool or funny or random or awesome or kind of everything all in between but still related to modding in some way. And I think I found the perfect thing. It's not very funny, mind you. It's not funny at all, actually. Um, but it is cool. It's awesome. It's worth highlighting here. And it can certainly help with modding and especially repair. And it's actually going back to the Switch. And it is yet another really awesome thing that Balika uh, ended up releasing on here. Let's check this out. These right here are board scans and models for the Switch. Now, this is the website that he has, and there is a regular Switch as well as a Switch Lite. You can just click on, you know, whichever one you want. Let's check on, uh, this one's technically Arista, so we're going to click on that. And here we go. We got board layers right here. Now, what is going on with this? Well, there are some controls in which you can go around, kind of look at this, zoom in, zoom out, and everything if you wish to. And this is a Arista board, like one of the original like launch model switches. Um, most, the, most of the exploit ones, it has been completely like unpopulated. Like everything here has been taken off. Now, at this point, you can, you know, flip the view, which, you know, I'm going to kind of do that. But you can even switch between all your layers so using w and s so we have that there there just look at that that's really cool you can zoom in a ton right here you can even just double click and even just highlight specific things so like there's some that you're going to be tracing like this pad for example you can hit that right there and you can actually trace everything you need to i mean of course there's that's going to be different but still uh you can just that's just an example of what you can do on this. This is really cool to see. I think that's the furthest I can go on here. And you can just switch that all around and you can see exactly where everything's gonna go. So very cool. Uh, that's the one for Arista. So here we go. We have this and we're just kinda gonna go through the layers. So this is the top when you like open up the switch light and you're accessing everything here. We have that, 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 that. Going all the way to the other side. There is a lot here, my god. Okay, and here we go. We're now on the populated underside of this. Um, although, is that? No. Actually, 
Oh, I see how that is. Technically, I guess since there's like buttons right here, this would technically be the top side, I suppose, maybe, or... You know, I actually haven't even taken apart my switch light fully, so I'm not sure on that. No, you'd still access everything here, because like, for example, this is where like, if you're installing a chip, like this where you'd be soldering, you know, the flex cable to here, and then it's like there's another one right here. So if you want to know like exactly where certain things are, you kind of do something like that, or like, these are the little tiny capacitors that you're going to be soldering everything to, like, look how small they are. <laughs> So this is just super cool to see like I love this right here So if you're needing to do some research and you're needing some really high quality board scans and even just you need to see like different layers like that That is so cool. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So a big shout out and thank you to Balika for working on this, using this here. And there's even a few, you know, some credits here, for example, like thanks to Creative Dax for the scans. Thanks to iFixit for the top and bottom here. And even going back to the original one, thanks to Creative Dax for the scans. And thanks to Shiny Quagsire 23 for aligning the images. So there we go. That is about the end of this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. There was a lot of really awesome stuff that we got to cover here take a look at in a pretty busy month for October. Again, I apologize for releasing this episode so late. Typically, I don't have them out this late, but sometimes that just happens. Anyways, again, if you all are going to be celebrating Halloween, I hope you all have a awesome and safe Halloween. If you've already celebrated Halloween, uh, you know, I guess go ahead and share what might have happened. And actually, even with that, with that here, I'm trying to pick a keyword. So typically what I do, if you've made it to the end of this episode, thank you very much. And I try to pick a keyword or a key phrase that you could use in a comment on the YouTube upload of this episode. And if you use this keyword or key phrase in a comment, I will know that you made it to the end when I'm going through the comments here. Yes, I still go through my comments and all that. So let's go with the word candy. If you use the word candy in your YouTube comment, I will know that you've made it to the end. What is your favorite candy? Do you love candy? Do you like candy? Do you hate candy? Do you want candy? Do you, do you just not want candy at all? Like, is, I don't know, modding like candy to you? Let me know. Use the word candy in the comment on this upload, and I don't know, again, you made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all really liked watching, listening, wherever you might be. And as I always say, this is Mr. Mario, signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next time.